Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. In Matthew 4.4, Yeshua said these words, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Taking in the word of God every day is life to our spirit and health to our bones. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your support. Now let's continue reading through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translate. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion for the week, Korah, and it means rebellion. Numbers 16, 1-15 Now Korah, son of Izhar, son of Kehat, son of Levi, betook himself along with Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, descendants of Reuben, to rise up against Moses, together with 250 Israelites, chieftains of the community, chosen in the assembly, men of repute. They combined against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all the community are holy, all of them, and Hashem is in their midst. Why then do you raise yourselves above Hashem's congregation? When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Then he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Come morning, Hashem will make known who is his and who is holy, and will grant him access to himself. He will grant access to the one he has chosen. Do this, 
you, Korah, and all your band, take fire pans, and tomorrow put fire in them and lay incense on them before Hashem. Then the man whom Hashem chooses, he shall be the Holy One. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. Moses said further to Korah, Hear me, sons of Levi. Is it not enough for you that the God of Israel has set you apart from the community of Israel and given you access to him to perform the duties of Hashem's Mishkan and to minister to the community and serve them? Now that he has advanced you and all your fellow Leviim with you, do you seek the priesthood too? Truly, it is against Hashem that you and all your company have banded together. For who is Aaron that you should rail against him? Moses sent for Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliam, but they said, We will not come. Is it not enough that you brought us from a land flowing with milk and honey to have us die in the wilderness, that you would also lord it over us? Even if you had brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey and given us possession of fields and vineyards, should you gouge out those men's eyes? We will not come. Moses was much aggrieved, and he said to Hashem, Pay no regard to their oblation. I have not taken the donkey of any one of them, nor have I wronged any one of them. Second Kings 1, 1 to 2, 25. After Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Akayahu fell through the lattice in his upper chamber at Shomron and was injured. So he sent messengers whom he instructed, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But an angel of Hashem said to Elijah the Tishbite, Go and confront the messengers of the king of Shomron and say to them, Is there no Hashem in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Assuredly, thus said Hashem, You shall not rise from the bed you are lying on, but you shall die. And Eliyahu went. The messengers returned to Akaz-Yahu, and he asked, Why have you come back? They answered him, A man came toward us and said to us, Go back to the king who sent you, and say to him, Thus says Hashem, Is there no Hashem in Israel that you must send to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Assuredly, you shall not rise from the bed you are lying on, but shall die. What sort of man was it, he asked them, who came toward you and said these things to you? A hairy man, they replied, with a leather belt tied around his waist. That's Elijah the Tishbite, he said. Then he sent to him a captain of fifty with his fifty men. He climbed up to him and found him sitting at the top of a hill. Man of Hashem, he said to him, by order of the king, come down. Elijah replied to the captain of the fifty, If I am a man of Hashem, let fire come down from heaven and consume you with your fifty men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. The king then sent to him another captain with his fifty men, and he addressed him as follows. Man of Hashem, by order of the king, come down at once. But Elijah answered him, If I am a man of Hashem, let fire come down from heaven and consume you with your fifty men. 
And fire of Hashem came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. Then he sent a third captain of fifty with his fifty men. The third captain of fifty men climbed to the top, knelt before Elijah, and implored him, saying, O man of God, please have regard for my life and the lives of these fifty servants of yours. Already fire has come down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of fifty and their men. I beg you, have regard for my life. Then the angel of Hashem said to Elijah, Go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he rose and went down with him to the king. He said to him, Because you sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, as if there were no Hashem in Israel, whose word you could seek, assuredly you shall not rise from the bed which you are lying on, but you shall die. And Akayahu died according to the word of Hashem that Elijah had spoken. Jehoram succeeded him as king in the second year of King Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat of Yehuda, for he had no son. The other events of Akayahu's reign and his actions are recorded in the annals of the kings of Israel. When Hashem was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha had set out from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for Hashem has sent me on to Bet-El. As Hashem lives and as you live, said Elisha, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bet-El. Disciples of the Nevi'im at Bet-El came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Hashem will take your master away from you today? He replied, I know it too. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for Hashem has sent me on to Jericho. As Hashem lives and as you live, says Elisha, I will not leave you. So they went on to Jericho. The disciples of the Nevi'im who were at Jericho came over to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Hashem will take your master away from you today? He replied, I know it too. Be silent. Elijah said to him, Stay here, for Hashem has sent me on to the Jordan. As Hashem lives, and as you live, I will not leave you, he said. And the two of them went on. Fifty men of the disciples of the Nevi'im followed and stood by at a distance from them as the two of them stopped at the Jordan. Thereupon Elijah took his mantle, and rolling it up, he struck the water. It divided to the right and the left, so that the two of them crossed over on dry land. As they were crossing, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha answered, Let a double portion of your spirit pass on to me. You have asked a difficult thing, he said. If you see me as I am being taken from you, this will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they kept on walking and talking, a fiery chariot with fiery horses suddenly appeared and separated one from the other. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw it, and he cried out, O Father, Father, 
Israel's chariots and horsemen. When he could no longer see him, he grasped his garments and rent them in two. He picked up Elijah's mantle, which had dropped from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Taking the mantle, which had dropped from Elijah, he struck the water and said, Where is Hashem, the God of Elijah? As he struck the water, it parted to the right and to the left, and Elisha crossed over. When the disciples of the Nevi'im at Jericho saw him from a distance, they exclaimed, The spirit of Elijah has settled on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed low before him to the ground. They said to him, Your servants have fifty able men with them. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of Hashem has carried him off and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. Do not send them, he replied. But they kept pressing him for a long time until he said, Send them. So they sent out fifty men who searched for three days but did not find him. They came back to him while he was still in Jericho, and he said to them, I told you not to go. The men of the town said to Elisha, Look, the town is a pleasant place to live in, as my Lord can see, but the water is bad and the land causes bereavement. He responded, Bring me a new dish and put salt in it. They brought it to him. He went to the spring and threw salt into it, and he said, Thus said Hashem, I heal this water. No longer shall death and bereavement come from it. The water has remained wholesome to this day, in accordance with the word spoken by Elisha. From there he went up to Bet-El. As he was going up the road, some little boys came out of the town and jeered at him, saying, Go away, bald head! Go away, bald head! He turned around and looked at them and cursed them in the name of Hashem. Thereupon two she-bears came out of the woods and mangled forty-two of the children. He went on from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Shomron. Acts 13, 42-14-7 And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spoke against these things, which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we return to the Gentiles. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, they believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust off of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy 
and with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony to the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lies round about. And there they preached the gospel. Psalm 139, 1-24 O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts from afar. You compass my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have beset me behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hides not from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you have possessed my reins. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in your book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Surely you will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate you? And am I not grieved with those that rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Proverbs seventeen, nineteen to 21 He loves transgression that loves strife, and he that exalts his gate seeks destruction. 
He that has a froward heart finds no good, and he that has a perverse tongue falls into mischief. He that begets a fool does it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion, and then we're going to look at the Hav Torah portion from Second Kings. And in Numbers chapter 16, we have the Korah rebellion that takes place. And so Korah and about 250 other leaders from the community rise up against Moses and Aaron. And in verse 3, this is what is written. They combined against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all the community are holy, all of them, and Hashem is in their midst. Why then do you raise yourselves above Hashem's congregation? So what's behind all that? They're jealous. They're coveting. They're in pride. They're in rebellion against God's leadership that he chose. So God is going to deal with it very swiftly and very severely. The Israel Bible commentary to that verse that I just read reads as follows. Kor rebels against his cousins, Moses and Aaron, accusing them of taking positions of power for themselves. He declares that the entire nation of Israel is holy and therefore questions why Moses and Aaron have raised themselves above the rest of the congregation. In making this claim, Korah not only implies that Moses and Aaron inappropriately chose the leadership positions for themselves, thereby denying Hashem's role in their appointment. He also makes the erroneous claim that every individual in the nation is on the same level of holiness. While it is true that everyone is endowed with an element of godliness, it is up to each person to elevate himself or herself to even greater levels of holiness. The exact degree of a person's holiness therefore depends on their individual achievements, on their behavior. Okay, so the Korah rebellion is going to be put out, and when we read more from this tomorrow, we'll learn how that happens and what what God does in response to it. Um, but let me point this out. In verse 4, what is Moses' response? He's a very humble man. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't say, how dare you? He doesn't get offended. In verse 4, it is written, when Moses heard this, he fell on his face. He fell and prostrated himself on his face to pray. He understood the gravity of the sin. And so he's praying to God and interceding about this. So let's move on into first, second Kings chapter one. And now we see Elijah and Elisha, uh, working together. And in this chapter, in chapter one, we have the, um, Moab is rebelling against Israel, and in verse 2 it is written, As Akaziahu fell through the lattice in his upper chamber at Shomron and was injured, so he sent messengers whom he instructed, Go inquire Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. In biblical Hebrew, the word malak means messenger. 
There are two kinds of messengers. One is a human messenger, and the other is an angel, a messenger of God. According to Jewish belief, angels do not have independent free will. Rather, they are Hashem's messengers who are able to fulfill only the specific mission He gives them. When human beings use their free will to do the Lord's bidding, they can become even greater than angels as they are choosing on their own to obey God. And when they show their loyalty to Hashem by doing His bidding and improving His world, they become like angels, His messengers, to the rest of the world. Okay, I want to jump into chapter 2. This is a very interesting chapter, Second Kings chapter 2, because Elijah is about to be taken up. He's not going to die a normal human death. He's going to be taken up in a flaming chariot with flaming horses. And Elisha, the man he's mentored, um, is is going with him. And each time Elijah tries to say, you stay here and I'm going to go on. And Elisha says, no, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to go with you the whole way. And so, you know, each time Elijah travels to another place, first Bet-El, and then he goes to Jericho, and then he crosses the Jordan River, um, he, he suggests to Elisha to stay behind, and Elisha keeps on saying, I'm going with you. And then Elisha asks him a special request in verse 9. Or Elijah asks Elisha a question. He says, tell me, Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? So Elisha answers him, let a double portion of your spirit pass on to me. And so he replies and says, you have asked for a difficult thing. If you see me as I am being taken from you, this will be granted to you. If not, it will not. Verse 11, as they kept on walking and talking, a fiery chariot with fiery horses suddenly appeared and separated one from the other. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. In one of the Bible's most powerful images, Elijah the prophet leaves this world and ascends to the heavens in a fiery chariot. The sages teach that Elijah did not die, but left this world while still alive. Because he remains alive, he maintains contact with the world below. He's therefore able to understand the needs of every generation. This constant connection is part of what makes him one of history's most beloved prophets. Tradition teaches that when God decides it is time to reveal the Mashiach, the Messiah, Elijah will return to proclaim his arrival to the world and to prepare the way. According to the prophet Malachi, after he returns, he shall reconcile the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Malachi 3.24 Elijah will bring peace to the world, creating the right environment for the arrival of the Mashiach. So it's quite an exit, a dramatic exit when he leaves this world. Now I want to go back to uh, first, Second Kings chapter 1 because there was something in there I wanted to talk about. Um, we have these 50 soldiers with a captain that's coming to Elijah and Elijah's at the top of a hill. And the captain of 50 comes to him and says, man of God, he says, by order of the king, come down. And Elijah replies to him, uh, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you 
with your fifty men, and fire came down from heaven and consumed him and the fifty men. This is repeated a second time. A second captain with a second group of fifty soldiers comes and you know demands that he come down from the hill and come meet the king and again Elijah calls down fire from heaven and they're all consumed. Now there's a connection. Remember, biblical history is prophecy. And the things that happened to our forefathers literally happened, but they're also prophetic blueprints and templates for the end of days. So I want to cross-reference what I just shared with you from First Kings, Second Kings chapter 1 to the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. So in Revelation chapter 11, it is written in verse 5, and six, if anyone wants to harm them, the two witnesses, fire proceeds out of their mouth. So the fire doesn't come down from heaven. It comes out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So Elijah, I believe, is a prophetic blueprint uh, pointing us to these two witnesses that we're going to see that are at the Western Wall in Jerusalem in the end of days. Elijah is functioning like these two witnesses. And in fact, Elijah, during his ministry, he did call down a drought and there was no rain for several years. And then he called an end to the drought and called for rain. And then the rain came. And then we also saw from this chapter for second Kings chapter one, that he called down fire from heaven and it destroyed the 50 soldiers with the captain. Of course, the third captain, when he came, was very humble and said, please spare my life. And so he did. So Elijah is like a uh, remez hint and a blueprint and a foreshadowing of the two witnesses who will have an important assignment and task to do in Jerusalem in the end of days. So the last thing I wanted to share is from Psalm 139. And this is a beautifully, beautifully written psalm. It's purity, it's truth. And especially if any of you are have ever struggled with, I guess I'll call it low self-esteem, the enemy comes and beats you up and you feel bad about yourself and you feel worthless and you feel like you're just uh, a failure or you just can't get things right or, you know, maybe somebody else in your life is kind of emotionally beating you up and making you feel really bad, reading Psalm 139 as God's message straight to your heart and take it in as truth is an antidote to all those lies of the enemy that wants to put you down and make you feel bad about yourself. So I just encourage you to read through Psalm 139 and personalize it. It is his message to you personally, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that uh, his hand knit you together while you were still in your mother's womb, 
that he knows every word before you even speak it. That um, you are so precious to him. And um, basically it's saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's a great prayer to pray. Sometimes we do have sin in our lives and we're blind to it. We're not aware of it. It's a blind spot. And so when you pray that prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. In other words, bring it to the light. Reveal it to me. Bring it to the surface so that I can repent and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's that's just a really great prayer to pray on a regular basis. So that's all I have for today. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.